I'm Scott Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the GAF Podcast. This podcast is for professionals who want to work in the advisory space. It's a series of conversations and essential frameworks to give better advice. It's the stuff they don't teach you at uni. It's where value sits. So buckle in, volume up, let's go. In this podcast, I chat with Brian Fitzpatrick, the emotional intelligence guru. And it's all about leadership. Why would you want to become a good leader? What are the skills in leadership? How do I make this jump into being a great leader? Leading my team, leading the organisation, leading the client. Great concepts, great listening. Welcome to the GAF podcast. Here we are again with Brian Fitzpatrick, the emotional intelligence guru, who's going to talk to us today about a whole bunch of topics which I'm so keen to get into around leadership and mindset and what stops people becoming good leaders and how do we step into that space. Great to have you, Brian. Thanks, Scott. It's um, it's quite a a journey in in self-leadership this morning where I had to go and put on leather shoes to come to the office and I had to (laughs) wipe all the... um, the mould and the fur off them. So I have a pair of leather shoes on for about 18 months. But uh, I dressed up for the day. Now, that's not exactly true because you've just come back from the Olympics where you were part of the leadership team with the Australian men's hockey team who lost in a sem- lost in the gold medal shootout. I hope it's not too early to bring that up. But what, no. Give us your experience of the Olympics. Well, um, a really um, unusual Olympics, I think, in that it didn't have the hype that a lot of the others did. It had a whole lot of um, compliance around health and so on, um, getting tested well and truly several times before we went and being tested every day, um, having to eat in a, in, a, um, in a plastic cubicle with plastic gloves on, um, you know, wearing a mask and all those sorts of things that we needed to do to stay to stay healthy. And even though, um, you know, the Australian team got through, there were still 400 cases of uh, COVID discovered in the Olympic Village while oh, we were there. So right. it's quite a number. But, um, you know, one of the hard parts, I think, was that we didn't get the full Olympic experience because we couldn't go to other sports. You know, we were really restricted to go to, go, and my sport's hockey, so go to the hockey match and go back, go back to the village. Yeah. So let's give this a context of leadership then. So how do you engender, encourage, act in a leadership capacity in that type of environment? Well, the first thing I think is to um, deal only with what's going on. Uh, I think we can spend a lot of time and energy dealing with if things were different, yeah? Um, And a lot of times I think that's what happens and people get distracted by that. So we talk about this concept of work with what is so right now rather than what if it was different. So we deal with the current reality. The current reality was this was an Olympics that was going to be different to others. Uh, we had very few training games, um, so we weren't as um, game ready as some of the other European teams that have been playing full, full tournaments and so on. But in terms of leadership, um, I think you know we, we work on a, a sense of um, shared leadership in the Kookaburras team. So Colin Batch is the head coach and we've got functional responsibilities, so uh, two assistant coaches work with um, in the area of one team with the ball and one team without. And then we've got goalkeeping coaches and strength and conditioning and my area of, um, you know, uh, culture and, and high performance. And our coach, our head coach who runs the program, absolutely um, trusts us to work our magic. So it doesn't, doesn't um, you know, get in there and try to micromanage our sessions that we run. Not dictatorial. No, 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 no. He, he wants to 
uh, and he wants to to bring out you know the special the special skills that everybody has now one of the the books for leadership that that talks about that is is this um, book called multipliers by Liz Wiseman I don't know whether you've heard of that book but it talks about either being a multiplier or a diminisher and diminishers are often um, of good intent but they they stop people growing and it could be like um, I get involved in everything. I'm the ideas guy. Or it could be I want to rescue everybody and not let them um, you know, work things out for themselves. But a great book to read if you're interested in, um, in leadership. And a lot of times I think um, you know, um, well-meaning, well-meaning leaders are actually slowing down the progress of their people. You know? um, I was interesting to, interested to talk to one of my clients the other day who's a um, professional sportsman in Austria. And his... Uh, the high performance director at his team was saying that that he's been working with someone and James said, yes, I've been working with Brian. And he explained what I do and he went, ah, a people grower. And ah. it's a beautiful, beautiful phrase, isn't, isn't it? it? A people grower. Yeah. That's a really good one, to be reflective of. Are you growing people? Mm. Yeah. But in the, um, you know, in the kookaburras too, um, we, we started out um, with what traditional teams do of having a leadership group. Um, and that was a group of five. And what we found, we weren't getting great leadership from them because we didn't really train them about leadership. We just, and generally they get voted on because they've got the most, most number of caps for the, for the nation. So we dispensed with that and we looked at a whole range of um, things that we wanted people to take responsibility for. So we've set up a shared leadership model where we've got about 20 portfolios. And I don't want the rookies involved in any of this. They've just got to learn how to play, um, you know, at the, the level that we need to. But we do have a lot of functional roles in there that people take responsibility for. And it allows the players to um, take a bit more of a global understanding of the game, of, of our team, yeah, rather than sit there. See, I think a lot of times what happens in businesses and in teams is we, we create unintentionally this sense of learned helplessness. Where I can't make a decision, I have no initiative, yeah. Unless you tell me I'm allowed mm. to do that. Yep. Yeah. And so we want to free them up to do that. Um, and we give them responsibilities and we say, how you do that, yeah, is your responsibility. Yeah. So it opens up a conversation too, I think, Scott, around leadership. And that is the difference between um, accountability and responsibility. What would you say are the, the differences in the nuance of those two words? What's the difference between accountability and responsibility? Hmm. Um, accountability to me is almost outward looking, a framework for putting in place an outward response, whereas responsibility is almost the events happened and how am I going to respond to that? <laughs> okay. Well, you know, because it, it's, it's something that, that people often do, you know, and we talk about KPIs and accountability. You know, I think accountability has accounting in it, which means it's going to be measured and I'm going to, um, you know, be measured about about that. That means that quite often what I do is I only do the work that you're going to measure oh, me on. Okay. Whereas responsibility says it's going to come from inside of me, mm. and I want to take responsibility not because I have to answer to you, but because I want to do this. And for me, there's a bit of a mixture of both. But but for me, um, I know that I hate being accountable, but I love taking responsibility yeah, oh, in my leadership. Yeah. So you you. A good start points awareness. <laughs> Self-awareness around, around a lot of those things, yeah. So let's move on to this, this concept of 
and help me with this around this, you know, there's coaching, there's advising, there's leading, and there seems to be similar themes that would run through all of those about whether you're a good coach, good advisor, good sure. leader. Yeah. And I think, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm running a business, um, I'm doing a lot of roles. So one of the things I have to do is be a manager, and that is to work with the resources, human and, and you know, financial and so on. Um, and what, often what we say is managers get things done. Yeah, that's their job. And then sometimes we have to be a trainer, mm-hmm. which is pass on my knowledge. Sometimes I need to be a mentor, and that is I'm a subject matter expert that helps people. Sometimes I need to be a counsellor or a referee in a business as well. Um, and, you know, and sometimes, you know, I may, may work in the world of, of being somewhat of a consultant. But leadership truly is about creating, creating an, um, a vision that people want to follow mm-hmm. and a shared vision, not just the leader's vision, but how do I communicate that? How do I get people to want to do what needs to be done? Yeah? How do I create a sense of um, reason that impassions people and then I enable them to do that through my management skills? So how do you do that? Because... You know, ultimately, the business owner says, here's where I want to get to. Maybe. Maybe they don't know where they want to get to either at times. So one of the questions I ask leaders is this, and and let's look at your um, journey of leadership uh, through through the companies that you lead. So there's two ways, I think. One is, is to say this, um, who's with me? Now, where am I going? And then another leader might say, this is where I'm going. Who's coming with me? All right. So tell me about your leadership journey um, and how you've perhaps answered both those questions at times. I think you're leading the witness, Your Honour. <laughs> <laughs> However, yes, definitely the first one was uh, about, uh, I'm not sure where I'm going, but who's with me. Mm. And we're on that path of discovery of, in the early days, 25 years ago, of financial advice was mainly around product placement. And you know, we started this whole concept of fees for service and moving away from product. We weren't too sure where we were going, um, but we, it felt like we were heading in the right direction. And then once we got a lot more conviction, we went, ah, now I can see, I can see the, uh, the flag on the hill. Mm. Here's definitely where we're going to and who's coming with us. That's right. But, but my observation of your business is, is that you had a lot of non-ideal people in that business at the start. Yeah, yep. and non-ideal clients. And non-ideal clients as well, that's, that's for sure. And, and only now, over the last few years of this is where I'm going, who's coming with me, have like-minded businesses and advisors started to join you because that's where they want to go as well. So what you have done is actually to be able to uh, inspire and share that vision. And when we look at, you know, the styles of leadership, um, you know, it's not always the appropriate style. For instance, um, you know, if if I was in a disaster recovery, then I'd want some, a leader who could command me to tell me what to do. If I had to go in and um, and to a an earthquake and try to get people out of collapsed buildings. I just need to be commanded, do this. The other, another step up from that is a pace-setting leader, and a pace-setting leader is the one who sets targets uh, and budgets and so on. That's very, very common in the sales-related industries. And then further as we go up um, towards this concept um, of people grower, there are, there are leaders who are much more democratic, so they'll get involved and they'll start to... Um, have meetings and find out what's the 
what's the, the consensus of everybody, and away we go. And then it moves through affiliative. But the best leaders at the moment, I think, in our world are the ones who are coaching leaders. And that is that they want to grow their people. They want to spend some time helping that person develop their skills, develop their understanding and so on. Yeah? And then finally, there are a group of people who are visionaries. And, you know, if they, they come along, but, um, you know, their journey is a little bit tough. And I, I would say that the people like, um, you know, Nelson Mandela, Mahatma Gandhi and people like that, who have been able to change nations through their vision, and they've been able to bring people on. Um, so it is a bit of a mixture, but I think at the moment, um, you know, the best leaders are the ones who can set the vision and then coach people along that journey. Um, when, we, when we set out to um, create a new world in a business, and let's just say that somebody there wants to change their business model and change the way they do things, maybe reduce the number of clients and, you know, work, um, you know, with um, less clients but doing more for them, then that's going to take some change. And people, you know, we've said this before, people don't hate change, they hate being changed. So how do I get them to want to do that? And that's the piece about setting and creating the vision. Um, and if you think about it as almost like, um, you know, the explorers moving across um, America, you know, there are the people that go out and explore, and then there are the pioneers that come behind them, and then there are the settlers. And there's uh, always some people who will stay at home and won't want to be there. The laggards. The laggards, yeah. And so what we want to be able to do is to, you know, be a little bit more exploratory in our understanding and thinking, get a, get a, a good core group of people that want to come along on that, so they're the early pioneers, and then the good people will follow after that, the settlers. So um, it's not a bad way to think about it, you know. And in that, in that, I think there's a couple of things that I think are really important. The first thing is the leader the leader having a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. Now, a growth mindset says, I can learn that, I can do that. Um, whereas a fixed mindset says, no, that won't work, or I don't do that. Um, so there's a couple of characteristics of that, that growth mindset, which if you don't mind, I'll just share yeah. with you. Um, one of them is that we view challenges as opportunities. So when there's something difficult, this is how I learn. Yeah? This is how I get better. Um, and understanding that the brain has an ability to change it's amazing what the brain can do when you train it right and when you, when you get to release inside the brain the, the feel-good chemicals of um, serotonin and, and um, oxytocins and so on as opposed to you know, the negative chemical that comes into our brain of cortisol. But there's a couple of other things. I think this phrase of um, you know, failure doesn't mean that you're not good. Failure just means that you haven't learned that yet. Um, and... Choosing to learn well over learning fast. So isn't that an amazing phrase, you know, learn well rather than learn fast. And so when you want to move your business and change and, and bring leadership through, there are a few things that I think you need to do. Um, when, we, when we look at this concept of servant leadership, if I said that to you, what would you, you think servant leadership meant? Um, I'm leading with a context of helping other people. Yeah. Yeah. Not as ego less. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a higher it's it's a higher purpose. It's a, it's it's built on sound ethics, sound morals, sound you know, um, and that's a really important part. And then your job becomes not to be famous. Your job comes to uh, be safe enough and secure enough in your own self to be able to let people grow around you without feeling threatened. 
And, um, you know, that way we end up with what we call leader-full businesses. So when we work with the kookaburras, you know, we want to develop leadership. So we're not limiting the leadership roles to one or two. We're, we're asking lots of other people to take on a role. Yeah. And, and you, you know, I had this beautiful moment this morning where I saw the lovely Zoe. I said, I'm doing a podcast with Brian on leadership. And she said, I'm a leader now. I'm now managing one other person. <laughs> But, but quite often when you hear leadership, people go, oh, it's just me and my partner or it's just me by myself or it's, uh, I'm in a very small business. What's leadership got to do with me? Well, I think in this professional sense, there's, there's a whole lot of roles. So you, 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 you and I work in that world of lead advisor. Yeah, and you might have mentioned that on the podcast before. But the lead advisor, first of all, leads themselves. Yeah, you have to take responsibility for what's going on and how you're relating to people, how you're relating to your clients and so on. And then you need to lead the client. We've said before that you're not a you're not a financial advisor. Oh, sorry, you're a, you're not a financial suggester. You're a financial advisor. That means you've got to give advice. Yeah, not sit on the fence and go, "What do you think, Mister or Mrs. Client?" Yeah. So giving advice. So leading leading yourself, leading the client. And then you lead, need to lead that internal team. So all of your CSOs and support staff and admin staff and your, your power planners and all those, they need to be led. Mm -hmm. Next thing is, is leading the best of breed team. So if you want to work in this world of collaborative advice and move far closer towards a profession than an industry, then you've got to go and take on, um, let's say, a distribution group or a referral group or a, um, you know, a group that educates each other and spends time helping each other build your businesses. Well, very often... The, the financial advisor is probably the one that leads that. that. Lead that. Yeah. yeah. Why does that say that? Why do you reckon? Well, I had this interesting uh, case come up the other day where it was quite a complex case and I had that aha moment about halfway through it that, you know, I had a client who was in a second marriage situation, kids from the first, multiple businesses. There was one child in the business, other children outside. How do we equalise states, how do we make it fair but not equal. It was just a, a myriad of issues in there. And it was, it was, as I was getting into this, I had that moment of, oh, I get why the accountant referred this client over to me. Yeah. It's all a bit too hard and they're coming from a, a place of subject matter expert, not a skill set of being able to lead a best of breed team yeah. around this client. And that's not the accountant's fault, by the way. They're fantastic at tax and accounting work, but it was a different skill set of, of leadership to be able to lead a best of breed team to get the right result for this client. Hmm. And I think, you know, one of the things we say is leadership's not a title, it's a choice. So you've got to choose to lead, but you've also got to have the mandate. Mm -hmm. So in the, the um, you know, the distribution and referral group that you're in with Michael Small, who I listened to the podcast recently, you know, who's been a great... Um, business partner of yours and there are others in there. How do you get the mandate to lead that? Do you have it or do you just assume it? I've assumed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. You've taken the lead. You've chosen it. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah. I, you know, I've always loved that mantra. If it's to be, it's up to me. Yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I'm happy to step into that role um, because I know that we all get busy. We all get time poor. But as part of my black activity, my ideal week, I know I need to maintain these connections and lead the process of maintaining those connections yes. if I want my business to grow and I want to 
attract the ideal clients that I want. But, but there's the beautiful piece, two words, maintain the connection. Yeah. Because the other professionals are busy. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. Yeah, they don't. So who has to take responsibility for keeping that group connected so that you can have a, a group of mutually beneficial partners that, that um, you know, can help each other build the businesses? And that's a really important part, maintaining the connection. And then I think the other part of that, Brian, is what are clients expecting from us? Well, exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. Um, they, need you, they need you to own the room. They need you to stand up there and know what you're talking about. They need to know that you, you have an understanding of uh, their issues, you know, across a wide variety, not just in your domain of knowledge, but around, you know, what we've talked about before and that, that creating a great life for them. And then they need to trust you that you've got those other professionals that you've vetted beforehand, yeah, that you know that if you sent them there, that they would, as Michael Small would say, yeah, they would advise you like they were advising your mother. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's that sense. Of, and there's the thing around leadership, I think, too, Scott, that we talk about something called the four C's in leadership. The first one is care. You've got to care for the people that you're leading. So you, you care for your team, you care for your clients, you know, um, and you care for the people in your distribution group, right? Um, and you've got to care for your profession as well. And I think leaders have to lead more and more now in, make, in, in taking the professions to, to new levels, you know, rather than just being commercially sound, they need to be ethically sound as well. So the first one is care. The second one is courage. And courage in leadership is about making the calls that need to be made from the right place. Mm -hmm. um, courage it, can be difficult. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it, it, you can be frightened, and, you know, and, and, and there's the truth, isn't it? That you, you can't be courageous unless you're scared. Yep. That's, that's what the, the definition of courage is. But that means letting go of people. It means reorganising your teams. It's, yeah. There's some hard decisions in there. But I think that that was the nice piece you said was you're coming from the right intent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and then we say, you know, like in terms of courage and being brave, there's smart, brave and dumb, brave. Yeah. Yep. There's a lot of dumb, brave stuff done in businesses. I've done, yeah. I've done a fair <laughs> share of both of those. Yeah. And bravery could be bringing on a new... Um, employee or it could be letting go the wrong employee yep. you know when you're in um, very small business one of the most courageous steps you ever take is your first hire who's the first person I'm going to get in there to support and help me my wife was my first hire and yeah. it was a courageous decision <laughs> to let her go probably saved our marriage <laughs> one that was needed to be made yeah <laughs> but um so we talk about these four C's and that's care courage and then consistency and a lot of times I think leaders uh, go like a, um, a bullet a gate on a certain issue and it becomes the, um, you know, the, the, the buzzword the or flavor the, the, the flavour of the month and yeah. then they forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. And people just learn that presentism, which is if I just keep my head down, it'll all go away and I'll be able to do what I've always yeah. done. So the consistency when you're, when you're leading and changing. And then the last one is commitment. You need to see that through to the end. Mm -hmm. So if you want to change a business or, or build a great team, it has to be around commitment and seeing it right through, not giving up when it gets hard. Commitment is about saying, I'm going to continue to do this, even though it doesn't feel as good when I started. Yeah, it's, it's made a, the choice. It's interesting. When you say that, I'm sitting there thinking about myself and I go, oh, I'm not too bad at three of them, but the consistency one yeah. probably needs a bit of work. Well, that's where I think, and, and a lot of the business, advisor, uh, business owners that I work with, that's when they go and find the right practice manager that will drive that consistency through, yeah? Because they know that they're entrepreneurial and they're out there, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they don't have, you know, that that necessarily that um, desire for process and you know things like that. Yeah. So a good practice manager. That's worth great. Four C's. Yeah. And then if I could just go a little bit further around, you know, this this idea of let's just go to four B's now. Yeah. Oh, four C's and four B's. <laughs> well, let's let's say that I um, I want to become a leader. Yep. And I want to lead, be a, a lead advisor. Yep. Uh, and I want to lead a best-of-breed team, I want to be able to lead my clients and so on. So the four Bs are belief. I need to believe that I can do that. Yeah? I need to believe that this is the right thing for my clients and for myself and for my business. Yeah? Belief. And then... Sorry, how do, I, how do I foster or engender belief? Well, first of all, I think... Is that, you, is that innate or is it intentional or is it... I think, it's, I think you have business. to have the intention... My business is not serving me well, or when I get out of bed, it's not a source of inspiration for no, me today. No. So falling in love with your business is a very important part, right. loving what you do. But, you know, in the Kookaburras, we talk about this idea um, of being, you know, the world's best hockey team. Well, we have to believe that we can do that because if, if there's any doubts about that, yeah, and, and if you follow me on the next next set okay. of Bs. So the first one is belief. I want to be a lead advisor and I believe that I can do that. Yep. Yeah? The second thing is I need to behave that way. So what does that look like? Well, I need to be trustworthy. I need to be able to, um, you know, be a subject matter expert in the things that I need to be. I need to be able to behave as though I'm a leader mm-hmm. and I lead my best of breeds and so on. The next one is belong. So I need to, I need to feel as though I belong to the to that echelon of advisors, mm-hmm. and then the last one is that's when I'll become it. So it is belief followed by the behaviour, sense of belonging in that world, mm-hmm. and then that's when I become, you know, the true professional. That's great. The four C's and the four B's, and I think just you know when we're coaching advisors who want to make this leap of faith, Brian, it's, there's a little bit of fake it till you make it in terms of you've got to step into it. You've got to jump off the cliff to to be, you know, have the belief to start to behave like that. That's right. You know, there's, there's, there's a, a start, few things. There's a start point, isn't there? Well, there is a start point. And, and I think, and I, and I used this last night with uh, one of my clients, and that is don't get it right, get it started. Yeah? So if you think about a great big um, aircraft carrier that's sitting there and it's not moving, it takes a lot of energy to move it. Mm-hmm. But once, once you've overcome that inertia and you start the movement, yeah. So it's the first step. But don't get it right, get it started. I think that's a, a critical piece around, um, around leadership and, and shifting and changing your mindset to something that, you know, and breaking the moulds, breaking the moulds of, of um, your limiting beliefs that you have about yourself, for sure, yeah. So let's, let's wrap this up and go with, with this context of, moving up the value spectrum of working with good clients, yeah? mm-hmm. or even if you, you are working with good clients but you want to uh, enhance your leadership skills. Yeah? Our start point is the four C's and the four B's to go, well, let's have, let's have some intentional uh, actions around, I'm not in love with the business I'm in, or I can see that this business is very narrow scope for me. Yeah. I need to move. Yeah. And so... That takes, as I said, that takes a desire, an internal desire to, to be more than you are now, yeah? It's, right. a, bit like, it's a bit like saying, um, you know, there's, there's that thing where the, the two caterpillars are sitting on the ground and there's a butterfly flying past them. 
and one of them says, you'll never see me go up in one of those things. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like you've got to break out of the cocoon yep. Yep, of, of the constriction that you're in to fly, you know. And it's a nice analogy, I think, for when we start to, you know, want to um, go to the next, as we often say, go to the next level in our profession, you know. If I could just quickly just take you through um, just a few things. I think a leader's job is to, is to move from complexity through knowledge to a sense of simplicity. If I can make things simple for people, even though it's a really complex thing, and we talk about the best advisors um, being sense makers, yep? It can make sense of all the mess that's going on in someone's affairs and bring it down to simplicity. Can I bring people from a place of separation through connection to creating a great team? Uh, and that's a, a really important one in that distribution. You know, where there's four separate businesses, how do I connect them up so that we, those four principles become a team to help each other build their businesses? Um, and another one, you know, when you're working with clients and with your internal team is moving from, a confu from confusion, trying to get some understanding so they get some clarity around their role and so on. Um, and then further on from that is moving from distraction to creating a strategy that gives focus to what we want to do, you know? And if the focus, if the, if the strategy is around um, small number of clients, high touch, then we need to focus on that and finding those people. Um, and then also just coming from just general behaviour to more um, tailored actions, that leads us to the results. And finally, you know, that that's thing I said before, which is we move as a leader from just calling it my title, how many people love the title? I'm the GM yep. or I'm the CEO. Yep. But they don't lead at all. Yep. Yeah. So it's the, cho the choice to do that, and that's when we become a leader. So when I look at the best businesses, I think, you know, that they are in lots of ways simple. They've turned the, turned the complex into simple. They have a sense of team. They've got clarity and focus. Um, they've got great results, and they're led really well by what we call that servant leadership. Yeah. Now... Servant leadership is not a pushover, but you no. also don't have to stand up the front and beat your chest and tell you tell the world how good you are. Yeah, it's about it's about this quiet influence and persuasion to get people to want to come on a journey and do work that's really meaningful for everybody. Oh, Brian, there's some good insights there. <laughs> well, I hope everybody's doing what I'm doing is sitting there reflecting on their own leadership, their leadership skills, the rights and wrongs. Well, and, interesting. And, and leadership, you know, intentional leadership. Yeah, but we lead in all sorts of places. We lead our families. Yep. Yeah. We lead our siblings. We lead our, um, our communities, um, your friendship groups. There's all, all sorts of places to lead, you know. Um, it's not just, you know, related to business and so on. But it is done with a sense of kindness, yeah, mm. a sense of kindness. And, that, and, and I keep referring back to that servant leadership. I'm here to serve the people, you know not to use this as a way of, um, of enhancing my reputation, so to speak, you know. Um, I, want to, um, uh, I want to come from a place of integrity rather than trying to look good. Rather than ego. Yeah, right, yeah. And, and as I said, trying to look good. Brian, let's leave it there. Thank you. Go in love. <laughs> that was a lovely, lovely, lovely session. Good. Well, I hope there's something there for... For people, and um, you know, we're always available to to help people um, develop their leadership a little bit further. I think it's a good thing. And how do we track you down again? 
Um, not that you want to be tracked down. Well, Michael Small said go to you, so I'll say that as well. <laughs> go, to the, go to the Gaff podcast and uh, Scott will de- deliver you to me. And we're gonna, we'll are gonna we put some of this up on the Gaff uh, website as well. Yeah, great. Some yep. of this information that you've got, and thank you so much for sharing it. Good. Well done. Thank you, mate. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Gaff podcast. We're all about empowering advisors, giving them additional tools for their toolkit to give great advice. Great advice leads to great business frameworks, which leads to great results for the community.